produced by the American Ag Radio Network. This is a best of Adams on Agriculture. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture on this Memorial Day, a very special day where we remember and honor those who are and who have served our country, and especially those who gave their lives to protect our freedoms. We thank you for your service. Today, we'll look back at some key stories we've covered recently here on AOA. But first, we look ahead to this year's Farm Progress Show coming up August 28th through the 30th in Boone, Iowa. Our Farm Progress Show preview series brought to you by Acuron Corn Herbicide, an upgrade for growers who don't settle for average. Acuron is a restricted-use pesticide. And joining us today is Matt Youngman, Director of Trade Shows for Farm Progress. Matt, here it is, Memorial Day. All of a sudden, late August doesn't seem that far away. Well, yeah, if, if summer kicks off on Memorial Day, we know that, it, it, that Labor Day is the end of it, and the week before Labor Day we'll be in Boone, Iowa, doing the Farm Progress Show and, and welcoming a lot of your listeners there to, to the show site. Well, how do the crops look in the Boone area and on the show site? The crops look fantastic. Uh, you know, Central Iowa, Boone's kind of right on that line where, where uh, you know, north of Highway 20, it's been a really rough planting season, but, but most of the stuff south of there is, it got in on time and and the field demonstration corn uh, got in right on time. Good cooperation between our our host farmers and, and John Deere, who came in and actually planted all the crops, did the secondary tillage, did the planting. It is up, looking good. And now, you know, in, as we sit here Memorial Day, obviously getting really good heat in, in central Iowa. Um, it, it, everything's coming together really well for good field demonstrations this year. As we've talked about before, when you need to have crops ready in late August for field demonstrations, you just don't have much margin for error, do you? Yeah, when, you, when you're planting 87, 89, or pardon me, 79, 78-day corn uh, in central Iowa, that's about as early as you can find. You get earlier than that, you're into popcorn and sweet corn and things like that. So uh, it, it's about as early as you can get. So getting it in on time and then getting, getting the heat to come through the summer, uh, you know, is, is, is pretty critical. We were... We were a couple of weeks later than maybe we'd hoped to be with getting it in the ground, but but we didn't really miss any heat because it was just cool and wet. But, you know, got the corn in on time to start taking advantage of all this heat that, that we're getting now and, and certainly have caught up. And, and, and if we go at a normal pace now through the rest of the summer with weather, should be in great shape. Going to have some, some really special field demonstrations, some products unveiled, some tiling demonstration, a lot of, a lot of things going on out in those fields. So, need to get that corn ready to go and, and get it out there, you know, tune up the week before the show and then harvest 80 acres a day during the show. Well, with the crops in, Matt, give us an idea. What will be going on at the show site and what will you be working on now? So now it's, you know, it's, it's starting to put all the things in motion, whether they're, whether they're putting in, whether the exhibitors are putting in plots or they've got special product introductions that they're working on. You know, it's a lot of, a lot of conversation with the exhibitors that are, that are doing special things. And then kind of putting all of the back-of-house things into place, getting all the food vendors contracted and the volunteers that are going to help us in the parking lots and at the admission gates and, and kind of putting a lot of those detail things in place. Uh, Case IH has, has, has constructed a building, so getting that thing all put into shape and, and just, just a, lot of the, a lot of the background details that, that hopefully folks don't notice when they get there because we've done a good job of, of getting all these things put together. Matt, the show site continues to evolve, doesn't it? It 
certainly does. You know, you look at investments that, that folks like Case IH have made and, and, and even to the point of, of putting up new green systems and, and being able to show off, you know, live dryer demonstrations and, and those kind of things. It, it just it evolves with technology and it, it evolves with what those exhibitors want to uh, want to use to capture the attention of the growers because there's, you know, there's 80-plus acres of tents and exhibits and displays, and it, it's a little bit overwhelming, so they are all working hard to, to capture the attention of, of the audience when they when, when, when we get them in the gate, it's the exhibitor's job to get them on their lot. I know you work hard to keep the show fresh each year for visitors. Well, that's, that's right. You know, it's, it's, in addition to, to the, the new things going on in the field, we have to make sure that now that we don't rotate from site to site anymore, now that we're, you know, we have permanent homes in Boone, Iowa and Decatur, Illinois, we need to make sure that the 2018 Farm Progress Show is, is a special one and it's not just a, a reboot of the 2016 show. So, you know, we're shuffling exhibitors around. We've, we've worked on a partnership with, a, with an ag incubator. So there's going to be some, some startup companies there that, you know, aren't ready to hit the market, but they're incubator companies that want to interact with the farmers, you know, show the, show the product and then have conversations about how they should continue to develop their products and, you know, just all of those, all of those new cutting-edge things that we want to make sure that the, the growers are able to see when they're there at the show. Matt, the Farm Progress Show has really become the place for many companies to unveil new products and technology, hasn't it? Absolutely. You know, when, when uh, realistically, since we started this rotation of being at the end of August and kind of being the kickoff show for the fall farm show season, uh, most of these companies have switched their product intro rotations to where the week before Farm Progress Show, that there's a dealer event where the dealers get a look at the new products. And then during the show, uh, you know, at 8 o'clock on Tuesday morning, that's the global unveil of, you know, somebody's new tractor or somebody's new combine. It's going to be the, the U.S. unveiling of Agco's new, new combine brand. Um, you know, the, there's, there's always things that I can talk about and what I can't talk about. And, and you know, we know that, that Agco is going to have that new combine there and it's going to run in the field. It's additionally going to run in the field in addition to the static one on the exhibit. Uh, and then a couple of other... Uh, tractor part, tractor uh, companies that are going to make unveilings at the show that I can't quite talk about yet. Matt, what will you have at this year's show for livestock producers? Well, as we go as we go west across the Corn Belt, uh, the the livestock, the beef influence on the shows, you know, is a lot heavier at a Boone show than it is at a Decatur show. And then you know, you go further east to Husker, or further west to Husker Harvest Days, and it's it's even heavier there. So when we're in Boone, there's a really really significant uh, beef influence, feedlot and cow calf type uh, exhibitors, pretty much taking up that southeast quadrant of the show, and and that's kind of the centerpiece of that is the is the cattle handling demonstrations, which we'll have every day, uh, twice a day during the show, where we bring in Iowa State, some of Iowa State's cattle, and run them through the various shoots and show the the features and benefits of the different shoot uh, companies uh, products. So it's that that is something that. You know, you can get you can get lost in the corn and soybean stuff of the Farm Progress Show, but certainly livestock is a, is a critical component of it, especially when we're in Boone, Iowa. Matt Youngman, Director of Trade Shows for Farm Progress. Matt, thanks for joining us, and have a great Memorial Day. You do the same. Thanks a lot, Mike. 
This year's Farm Progress Show will be August 28th, 29th, and 30th in Boone, Iowa. And our Farm Progress Show preview series brought to you by Acuron Corn Herbicide from Syngenta, an upgrade for growers who don't settle for average. Acuron is a restricted-use pesticide. Well, stay tuned. We'll look back at some key stories we've covered here on Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for joining us on this Memorial Day. I'm Mike Adams. The mighty Prosaro, king of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield, the hammer of head and leaf diseases, the number one reducer of scab. When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use Prosaro fungicide, and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at prosaro.us. Always read and follow label instructions. I live alone, so when I slipped and fell in the kitchen last month and couldn't get to a phone, that's when I knew I needed Life Alert. With just one press of this button, I'm connected to the Life Alert Center, where I can get the help I need, even when I cannot reach a phone. With Life Alert, I'm never alone. For a free Life Alert brochure, call 800-981-2126. That's 800-981-2126. Call now at 800-981-2126 to get a free brochure. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed. It's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing. Manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota, a 10-year warranty, and you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever: get four my pillows for the price of one. That's right, get four my pillows, two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order my pillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get four my pillows for the price of one. Call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Go to mypillow.com and at checkout use promo code FARM11. The mighty Prosaro, king of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield, the hammer of head and leaf diseases, the number one reducer of scab. When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use Prosaro fungicide, and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at prosaro.us. Always read and follow label instructions. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. 
And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free Endless Pool Idea Kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. You're listening to a best of Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And welcome back, and we welcome to Adams and Agriculture, Benjamin Duck, Director of Market Intelligence for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Benjamin, thanks for joining us. No problem. Great to be here. Well, want to take a look at the uh, April numbers for farm equipment sales, and there were some positives, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we're seeing a couple of interesting trends uh, uh, in the four-wheel drive, in the two-wheel drive tractors, less than 40 horsepower and 100, uh, 40 to 100 horsepower, we're kind of seeing 2018 stabilizing uh, compared to 2017. And as we remember from last year, 2017 was quite the uptick from 2016. And this area as a whole has been a, a really positive area uh, during the ag downturn. And then when we look at equipment, that's maybe a little bit more production ag. Uh, the more than 100 horsepower, the four-wheel drive tractors and the self-propelled combines, we're seeing uh, quite the uptick there as well. Yeah, let's kind of break this down a little bit. So in April, we saw U.S. sales of self-propelled combines jump 59% compared to the same month last year, a 21% gain for April year-to-date combine sales. Uh, were you surprised at that strong a number? Uh, well... 58.9%, you're always, you're always a little bit surprised when you see that percentage. But overall, this category has been dragging behind when we look at 2013, 14, uh, 15, 16, and 17. And now we're seeing that uptick. Uh, I think when we, when we ask our members uh, about their perceptions, they're, they're more positive about the market. Um, at the same time, you have tax reform, you have Section 179, you have the uh, bonus depreciation that has been updated. So we're not super surprised uh, that this is finally experiencing an uptick. After all, after a couple of years, uh, farmers still need to replace their equipment, right? So if it's a surprise, we'll call it a pleasant surprise. So now let's go to U.S. Uh, four-wheel drive tractor sales. A 2% increase in April compared to last year with year-to-date April gains of 4% over last year. So um, another not as big a jump, obviously, but still, uh, that's a positive trend. That's absolutely. And uh, when I look at this report, I see those four-wheel drive farm tractors. I see the self-propelled combines. I think of the larger equipment, and I tie it more to production ag. Whereas in the last couple of years, during the ag downturn, we've seen a strong boom in the, uh, the, smaller, in the smaller equipment, less than 40 horsepower, 40 to 100 horsepower. That stuff is generally tied more to maybe uh, smaller farms, hobby farmers, uh, the construction industry, which has been booming uh, overall, uh, the livestock industry. So it's, it's very positive to see uh, a shift towards uh, the production ag uh, experiencing upticks. So even though both four-wheel drive farm tractors and self-propelled combine, they're still, they'll st- they're still punching under their five-year averages. Mm-hmm. Now, and you mentioned the smaller tractors, which have been very important to the marketplace these last few years. Uh, two-wheel drive tractors, April sales in the 100-plus horsepower category dropped 7% in April, while 40 to 100-horsepower two-wheel drive tractors gained 7%. Uh, 
and very little change in the under 40 horsepower category. How do you break that down? Well, uh, for the two-wheel drive, 100, uh, 100 horsepower plus, we've been seeing the same trend over the last couple of years. Uh, for less than 40 horsepower and 40 to 100 horsepower, uh, I would have expected those numbers to continue to grow a little bit stronger uh, going into 2018 and, and starting the second quarter of 2018. But they've been doing so well over the last couple of years that stability uh, compared to 2017 is, a, is definitely a plus. I mean, we're... Well, the U.S. economy is doing pretty good. Uh, we're uh, heading 2018 is, is going pretty strong, but there's still quite a few uncertainties that our manufacturers and farmers as a whole have to deal with. You know, when we think of international trade, we think of the, the tariffs, potential uh, trade wars, retaliation uh, through tra- tariffs that can hit U.S. farmers. But as I said, overall, when we when we survey our membership, uh, they seem pretty positive for 2018, and I think in 2017 we definitely turn the corner on the ag downturn. Yeah, let's look at that bigger picture. We'll pull back here a little bit. Uh, we saw that 2017 was better than 2016, and so Definitely. far this year, some positive signs, not all positive, so we'd say, what, it's a little sluggish, but still positive overall at this point. Yeah, that's exactly how I would categorize it. Uh, the USDA had a forecast for a farm income. That was a small downtick from 2017, but... Uh, I would categorize it maybe more as a stabilization of the situation. We're talking with Benjamin Duck with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers looking at the April uh, sales numbers, which had some real positives there. And as we look ahead, you mentioned some of these factors, uh, these trade concerns, certainly that makes uh, farmers uh, uneasy. Uh, They're probably feeling a little better now that they've got Many of them have their crop in the ground, but they're concerned, of course, about prices. On the other hand, uh, there's always that, um, for those that can, for those that are in a position to, there's just that time to replace some uh, older machines, and and that figures into some of this as well. Absolutely. So when you talk with those uh, members that you mentioned um, about their attitudes and their thoughts moving forward, uh, are they still relatively optimistic? I mean, realistically optimistic, maybe we should say, for 2018? Yeah. Uh, you know, when we ask in our quarterly surveys um, about their perception over the last 12 months and looking forward for the next 12 months, uh, uh, a large majority of members seems to indicate that they're, they're optimistic. And if they're not optimistic, uh, they certainly feel like the industry is stabilizing itself. So I don't think, I don't think there are any concerns uh, barring any unforeseen circumstances. Have we seen any impact over with steel uh, very much in the news when it comes to tariffs and, and trade uh, retaliation, things like that? Has that, does that? How has that impacted the equipment industry? I don't know if we've already seen uh, a direct impact, but certainly it's on the minds of people in our industries. Uh, uncertainties that are created by this uh, create uh, vibrations throughout the economy, and just for the farmer as for the manufacturer, uh, stability is, is everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, given their overall positive uh, attitude, uh, I think it's more of a, uh, a blimp, on, blimp on the radar. Uh, when we ask our members about tax reform, uh, the vast majority are happy on that too, so it, it's really a, a mixed bag. What are we seeing with uh, 
Uh huh. As you talk with members, what are they saying about moving used equipment? Is there a strong market there? Uh, we haven't asked that question uh, recently, but we do work together with some other associations, and we try to keep track of uh, the used inventories on the dealership lots. And it appears that uh, whereas that pipeline was stuffed over the last couple of years, manufacturers and dealers have been working to, to clear that pipeline. So mm-hmm. that was a great constraint over the last couple of years during the ag downturn, but we feel that that, uh, is, that problem is being solved. Talking with Benjamin Duck with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. So, again, just reviewing the numbers from April, strong sales for uh, in the U.S. of self-propelled combines, a big uh, 59% jump, and uh, four-wheel drive tractor sales gaining 2% in April, two-wheel drive tractors, April sales in the 100-plus horsepower category actually dropped 7%, while 40 to 100-horsepower two-wheel drive tractors gained 7%. Total April year-to-date sales for two-wheel drive tractors remain relatively flat. Is that right, Benjamin? Yeah, and I I think it's important when we look at these numbers that we look at the the larger pictures. Uh, Sometimes we can have a large year-over-year drop because it's comparing to the exact same month of last year. I think the year-to-date numbers are more indicative of uh, what is going on so far because uh, if you take in consideration seasonalities, um, for example, large large shipments might be happening in uh, May as opposed to April for one year, and then the year over year shows a a big drop. Even though, when we look at the larger pictures, things are still on track. These are U.S. sales numbers. Do we have any numbers as far as uh, uh, sales to other countries? Yeah, those are available on our website. We also track them for. Uh, Canada. Are they trending about the same? Uh, yeah, I would say so. I, I, I don't think there's there's uh, any major differences. Uh, when we look at the Canadian reports, less than 40 horsepower, 40 to 100 horsepower uh, year to date uh, are positive. A difference there is that the two-wheel drive 100 horsepower plus category has increased 15% year to date already, uh, while uh, self-propelled combines and four-wheel drive tractors have decreased uh, five to seven percent year to date. So, it's it's not completely in line with the United States, but overall the larger trends are fairly similar. Interesting numbers, and they certainly do give us a, a good snapshot of where we're at with the ag economy. A lot of things are interrelated here when it comes to these uh, numbers, but uh, always interesting to to watch them and to see what direction they're headed. Benjamin, thank you for being with us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Benjamin Duck, Director of Market Intelligence for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, joining us here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room. Weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. Yeah. 
no matter what the budget, the season, or the climate. Four Season Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for four seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over five million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider. Vermont and New York Banking Departments. Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. You're listening to a best of Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back to Adams on Agriculture on this Memorial Day. Thank you for joining us. You know, food labeling has been back in the news lately, especially with products that imitate meat but actually come from either plants or lab-grown tissue. 
Now, livestock groups are concerned about consumer confusion, similar to dairy industry concerns over plant-based products using the name milk. Well, the state of Missouri is attempting to become the first state to require food marketed as meat to actually be harvested from an animal. The state legislature recently passed a bill requiring anything not harvested from an animal raised for human consumption to be clearly labeled as something other than meat. Now, the Missouri governor has two months to decide whether to sign the bill or veto it. If he doesn't veto it, it will become automatically law. I recently talked with Eric Bold, Director of Public Affairs for the Missouri Farm Bureau, about the bill. Eric, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Mike. It's great to talk to you. Well, this is quite an issue, and uh, so Missouri is trying to get out in front on this. Sure, it's the Missouri legislature, which uh, they've been working towards getting a ag omnibus bill, and just one line in that bill talks about uh, defining meat as a product that is derived from a harvested, harvested production livestock animal or poultry, and as you know, as you would, you and I would recognize that that's a pretty traditional definition of meat, um, but that raised a lot of. Uh, a lot of eyebrows, I guess, as some people in the industry that are trying to produce plant-based products or cultured meat products uh, from a lab uh, would like to be able to use some of that terminology to try to sell their products. And so this was the first state in, in the nation, uh, Missouri was, to try to put a, a specific definition of meat. Now, when we look at this issue, um, you know, foods grown from beef cells in a petri dish basically there's still a ways away from from grocery stores but uh, it seems to be gaining some momentum there's more publicity about it so is missouri just trying to get out in front on this issue well yeah you know we we definitely think that it is going to be a while i think that the latest um, report was that the the industry leader in that cultured meat um, category memphis meats uh, is the name of the company. They said that it would cost them about $18,000 a pound to produce what they're making right now, which is a little bit excessive, but they're working hard on bringing that money or that um, amount down. They have a lot of Silicon Valley uh, backers, actually, who are pouring a lot of money into their research. Uh, so we do think that that is going to happen quickly um, as, as their technology um, gets more efficient and effective. So, yeah, I believe that the Missouri legislature just wanted to make sure that uh, consumers knew what they were getting when they go to the grocery store, whether it be a plant-based product or it is a an actual cultured product that you know, it probably will be hitting store shelves over the next five to ten years. And that's what we're talking about here, right? Transparency. Uh, we talk so much today about consumers wanting to know more about their food, and so that's what uh, we're talking about here, making sure that uh, consumers understand uh, what product they're buying, where it comes from. Absolutely. And, you know, the, especially with these plant-based products that are in stores today, those are being produced by farmers as well. This is not an anti-product um, anything. This is uh, for the, the clarity for the consumer knowing what they're purchasing. You, you, we want them to know that if, if you buy something that says meat or says burger on it, it ought to be um, something that you know what it is that it came from an animal. That's what that, that word has always meant. And we don't want people to uh, have to wonder what they're bringing home and feeding their family. We're talking with Eric Bull, Director of Public Affairs for the Missouri Farm Bureau. Eric, for those of us um, 
shall I say, a little older, well, I guess we shake our heads and say, how, how can this be an issue? But uh, certainly, whether it's in dairy or, or in meat, uh, and we think about uh, young uh, consumers, and uh, they look at things differently, and the, with all the choices that are available to them, I mean, that's why this is an important issue. Well, absolutely, and there's nothing at all wrong with innovation, and I think farmers are very uh, open to innovation on the cutting edge of uh, of really moving forward in technology, where we actually love to implement new ways of doing things and find new products and new ways to market the, the work that we do. Um, but we also need to have clarity along the way so that we're not uh, providing confusing products to the marketplace that could ultimately hurt our industry. And we do think that having products that are derived from plants uh, that can uh, can be palatable to the consumer, that's a great thing too. But you don't want to cause confusion and integrate other products in the process of marketing your own new product. And interesting that the state of Missouri uh, may be the first to pass some uh, legislation on this because uh, your state has some history with this uh, type of product, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that is right. You know, it was interesting. I was kind of looking into this over the past couple of weeks as uh, the Missouri legislature was working on their bill and just doing some research uh, on the uh, the plant-based burgers that are really becoming popular in some segments. And uh, I started Googling it a little bit and realized, you know, the actual product was invented in the town I live in, Columbia, Missouri, which is just up the road from the state capital, Jefferson City, 30 miles away. The University of Missouri researchers there who are very innovative and on the cutting edge of uh, plant food, uh, food science technology, came up with the the pea-based proteins that have gone into the burger uh, product called Beyond Meat, the Beyond Burger is what they're calling it, um, and it's 100% plant-based. It has some beet juice in it so that when you cook it uh, and cut it, it looks like it's bleeding like you would a, a normal burger, um, and they're actually then still produced at a factory in Columbia, Missouri. I just thought that must be a mistake, but the more I looked into it, that's absolutely right. It's uh, about five miles from my house is where they make these burgers. Now, a lot of the issue comes down to uh, marketing and even uh, place in the meat case in supermarkets. I mean, that's that's quite a battle, too. Sure. That was actually something that really has caught um, some people's attention over the past couple of weeks is that um, Beyond Meat, the company that makes what they call the Beyond Burger with these plant-based proteins, they have, um, have only allowed grocery stores to carry their product if they promise to put it in the meat cooler in the meat section and they will not allow it to be put in an organic section or a health food section or the general um, cooler or freezer section it must be in the meat section and that's something that we feel may be a little bit misleading as well because the big sign above the um, cooler when you go to pick up some hamburgers says meat well, this is not meat. It's a meat imitation, um, and that can be misleading to the consumer the way they're uh, forcing their product to be displayed. And while I understand why they want to do it, this is where I find the hypocrisy for both uh, these uh, these imitation meat products as well as these plant-based drinks that want to use dairy and milk in their in their name and in their marketing. Obviously, they see a value to 
the name meat or the name milk or the name dairy, and they want to use that even though uh, their whole purpose supposedly is to be an alternative to those, yet they want to capitalize on the value of those uh, names and those, and those uh, reputations. <laughs> that is true. That is a really interesting aspect of this. And, you know, the the industries, the meat industry, the dairy industry, have spent years, you know, decades, centuries even, um, building consumer confidence in what they produce. And um, a lot of what's kind of ironic is some of the companies, some of the people who are in support of these products have spent years doing the opposite, trying to bring down those industries. But now they're trying to really piggyback off the, the brand, um, the loyalty to those product names um, to try to sell their new alternatives. And again, we're all for innovation, have no problem with bringing up new products to the marketplace, but you ought to have, have your own name for it that um, clearly identifies that it is not uh, one of the pre-existing products that you're trying to imitate. But it's rather a, a new product um, that you're trying to get consumers to want to buy. Well, we'll see how it plays out. I would imagine, Eric, other states will be watching this pretty closely as well. We'll see if any of them well, follow, up, follow up. That is for sure. It's going to set a, a precedent that's going to definitely become big across the country. I would think so. All right, Eric, thanks for being with us. Very interesting. Appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Eric Boll, Director of Public Affairs for the Missouri Farm Bureau. Stay with us. This is AOA Adams on Agriculture. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable Bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information, and then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. The Mighty Prosaro king of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield, the hammer of head and leaf diseases, the number one reducer of scab. 
When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use Prosaro fungicide, and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at prosaro.us. Always read and follow label instructions. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room, weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for Four Seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. You're listening to a best of Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. The American Farmland Trust has released a report on the loss of U.S. farm and ranch land. It's called Farms Under Threat, the State of America's Farmland, and it uh, sounds a, a very serious warning that the loss of farmland is indeed serious and will accelerate unless action is taken. Here to talk about the the findings in the report is John Larson, Senior Vice President for American Farmland Trust. John, thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure, Mike. How significant is this uh, farm and ranch land loss, according to your report? So the report really was kind of eye-opening. And, and just to give you a little background on, on how we did the report, it, it, it's a spatial analysis that, uh, in, in partnership with the United States Department of Agriculture, we've utilized the national resource inventory data to harmonize other national data sets so that we had consistency and assurances that the information we were getting back was accurate. 
And what it shows us is that we have woefully underestimated the amount of loss that is experienced between the census dates of 1992 and 2012. And in that 20 years, we lost 31 million acres of farmland. And so when you think about that, um, that number is actually, based upon our analysis, nearly a doubling of what we thought we had lost. Okay, 31 million acres of farmland lost. How much of that would we consider prime farmland? So if you look at the, the way the loss is occurring is, unfortunately, we're, we're, uh, the, the prime lands are occurring at a faster loss than other lands. And so, you know, if you think about it in the context of where a de- development occurs, many times those acres that are on the, on the outskirts of our metropolitan areas are some of our most productive lands. And one of the things that we've done in this report, Mike, is we've actually gone beyond the prime soil designation and brought in other factors to help us to identify what is most productive, what is most versatile, and what is our most resilient lands. Had had an advisory group of of over 30 individuals from around the country and, and from specific expertise to help us to create these uh, uh, algorithms to help to define what do we mean when we talk about productivity, resiliency, and versatility. And so, unfortunately, what we see is a higher rate of conversion based upon uh, development pressure um, on those higher and more productive land. So as many as 11 million acres of those lost were some of the, what we would consider the best farmland in the country. So is this going mostly to... Um, uh, urban expansion, uh, development, is that where it's going? Yeah, when we look at the numbers, you know, there's a lot occurring in what we would consider to be that that urban space. Um, you know, I think that, uh, and, and I don't want to I don't want to dive too far into the weeds, but when we talk about it in the context of, you know, urban development, what we see is like 59% of the the developed acres were directly influenced by urban expansion. Um, And that then, it really, uh, it, it helps us to justify the, the, the actual spatial analysis that we have with this report and that we have the ability then to target and, and to see where those most productive acres are and to help to put in place with our future phases of this report. Right now, this report is from a very national perspective. That is the first phase. As we get into the, the next phases of the analysis, we will be able to drill down to the state level, which in that phase will also do what we're going to call a state report card and a scorecard. And that will help us to see how our policies influencing states in relationship to how they're protecting this, this irreplaceable resource of productive farmland. You know, it's one of those situations where we have worked at the American Farmland Trust really hard to create farmland protection programs across the entire country, and we still have over 20 states that don't have an official protection program. As we've seen this trend over the years, especially as farmers age, uh, there's more profit when someone comes in and offers them a good price for their land. Uh, they sell out, and that that uh, that land goes into construction and development, and, and you don't 
you don't see it come back to farmland. I mean, are we looking at the very real possibility in the future of having uh, too few farms, too uh, too little acreage, uh, uh, even with our growing production on fewer acres? I think that that's, that's the urgency that we are addressing with this report right now. When you think about it in the context of where do we grow the food, feed, fiber, and fuel that we need as a country, but then also in the bigger global context, you know, everybody wants to talk about the nine point whatever billion people that are going to be on the planet in 2050, and how are we going to feed them? We, we look at it from the perspective of there is... There is both that aspect, but there's also then the, the necessity for us to think about it in the context of where do we grow the food that our communities need right now today, and then looking at it in the long term as to where will we continue to produce that. You know, I think back to the, the, the late 70s and the, and, the, and the trucking strike that created a real anxiety for folks in New England when the trucks couldn't deliver the food from California and other places. And we need to think about it in the in the national context, but then we also need to think about it in the local, the community context of where is the food being grown and, and, and are we going to have food security in our country? And then, as, as you know, to, to take a real long way around to answer your question, in, in the global economy also. Well, these are eye-opening numbers. Real quick, John, where can people see your report and look at this? So our report is online at farmland.org backslash farms under threat. Okay. We encourage people to check that out and read them and, and read this uh, report. Look at these numbers. Uh, I think that when you look at the how big the, some of those numbers are that really jump out at you. John, thanks for being with us and uh, sharing some of this. And as you work on this more and develop with these state report cards, we'll talk with you more in the future, okay? Appreciate it, Mike. Thank you very much. Thank you. John Larson, Senior Vice President with American Farmland Trust. All right, that's going to wrap it up for today right here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Have a great day, everyone.